Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 7. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Amy. Well, the internet is certainly filled with lots of definitions about faith. Now, we are going to get into what God's Word has to say about faith, uh, but I got exhausted this week just trying to see kind of what the milieu is out there on the internet, just kind of going, and they're just, you know, pithy quote after pithy quote after pithy quote. So I thought I would just read a few things that I found. Uh, Oxford Languages says this about faith. It says, it is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on a spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Webster's Dictionary was kind of similar. Belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Uh, A firm belief in something for which there is no proof. So obviously, uh, some of those kind of think that faith is blind. Uh, Some kind of uh, think faith is a feeling. Uh, This individual, who I I can't pronounce his name, says, Faith is the bird that feels the light when the dawn is still dark. I I don't get it. I read it, and I read it again, and I read it again. I don't even know how that delivers for anybody. But uh, uh, an unknown author said, faith is sitting in the middle of the storm of your life and still being able to close your eyes and picture the sunny skies, still being able to feel the better days coming despite the storm all around you. That's faith. Again, I tried to do that too, and I'm like, I don't, I don't get how that delivers when the bottom falls out. So faith is not a feeling. Uh, there, there was a musical that predates me called Oklahoma, in which there was a, a phrase in the song, oh, what a beautiful morning, oh, what a beautiful day, 
I've got a wonderful feeling everything is going my way. That, that's not going to deliver when the bottom falls out. Faith is not a feeling. Faith isn't a, a positive attitude. Faith isn't a clever quote, even though I did find some, some quotes from, from some individuals you would know their names. Corey Ten Boom says, faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Now, certainly they have a taste of a little bit of what faith is, but our Bible actually gives us a definition of what faith is. Look at verse 1 again. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, before we even unpack some of those words, we have to remember this verse comes in context. It doesn't just start with verse 11, or, or chapter 11, verse 1. It, it, it came, 10 chapters came before this. And if you remember, look back in your Bibles at chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The reason that this definition of faith is here in our Bibles is because the author of Hebrews is writing to a people who desperately need to hold on to something that's greater than they are. That they're in danger of falling away. There's persecution has come upon them and they're, they're wavering. They're even uh, trying to put their trust in past practices, past the sacrificial system as we've talked about. They're putting their trust in different things and he wants them to just stop and he wants them to focus on trusting in God. He wants them to have faith because he wants them to persevere. There's a purpose for having it. It's not just to have some uh, definition of faith so that we can be smarter, so that we can have the right answer. If someone goes, well, what's faith? Well, I can give you what the answer is. No, there's a purpose to having it. The purpose is, as we have faith, that produces hope in us, which produces perseverance. We have faith so that we can persevere in the trials. Like, as I read some of those quotes, they're not going to deliver for you when the bottom falls out. They're not going to deliver for you if the economy takes a turn and all of your investments go south. They're not going to deliver for you if you go to sell your house thinking that we're at the top of the market and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out and your house is worth less than what you owe on it. Don't think that those kind of things can't happen. They've happened in my lifetime, and I'm not that old. I know some of you may beg to differ. Pithy statements won't deliver, but faith will deliver. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is confidence in what God has promised. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, things that we are sure about. 
Faith is, faith is massively certain that God's word is true. There, there's a certainty that God's word is true and that he's going to deliver. So it's assurance, it's being sure. Let me give you kind of an example of this. Hey, Rich, can, can I see your wallet? I promise I won't open it and I'll give it back. So I'm not going to ask anybody else. This is not like collection. Oh, look at that. Oh, well, I was honest. I did not open it. So, so why, why would Rich throw this up here? Be, because... He's, he's sure that I'm going to give it back. He has an assurance that I'm going to give it back. I gave him that assurance. I said, I'm going to give it back to you because he, he knows me. He knows uh, my character. He knows our relationship. So he's, he's sure that I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give it back right now before I get in trouble. So thanks. So Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We, we can be sure and have assurance because it's rooted in God. It's rooted in God and his promises. The promises that he makes that always are kept. Every single time God makes a promise, it is fulfilled. Time and time and time and time again. Right? We've been in the Old Testament quite a bit as we've been studying this book. Every single time we read about something that he promises that's going to happen, it happens. So we can have absolute assurance. We can be sure, and it's rooted in something. It's rooted in the character of God. Does this mean that having faith means we, we, we don't ever doubt? No, but here's the, here's the reality. God uses people who sometimes doubt. If you, if you forget, in, in the Bible, remember you know, Gideon, he, would put out, he put out the fleece because he wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. God, God still used him. I think, I think God having him lead a small army to defeat their enemies is proof that God uses people who doubt. Even, even Thomas, one of the disciples, he, he doubted, and yet he was one of the apostles who went and did miraculous things. So don't be concerned if there's, there's times when you doubt. Certainly, that, that we, we do doubt at times, but there is a reality. There's this, this kind of this, this onslaught against us that we, we're going to be confronted with that the Chinese evangelist Watchman Nee talked about. He said, faith is always meeting a mountain, a mountain of evidence that seems to contradict God's word, a mountain of apparent apparent contradiction in the realm of tangible fact, and either faith or the mountain has to go. They cannot both stand. There is that reality as we talk about faith that there's going to be, there's constant pushback in this world, but we can be sure because God has made promises, and faith grabs onto those promises Faith grabs onto the real things, so much so that we grab onto those promises as, as if they become real before our very eyes, as if they are happening right now. That's what faith does. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Like, it's 
happened. Even though it hasn't happened yet, it's happened. Joseph, in the Old Testament, he needed this to get through. Remember what happened with him? You know, he, he believed God. God gave him some, some crazy dreams about what was going to happen and, you know, about his brothers. And, and you know, they, they're kind of a typical family, right? You know, when, when the older brothers think the other brother's getting, you know, too much, you, you know, you bind them up and you throw them in a pit and you sell them to a bunch of gypsies, right? Just like every family, right? So that's what happened to Joseph. And he ends up in Potiphar's house and things happen to him and he gets thrown in prison and then he's in prison and he interprets some dreams and uh, those dreams uh, come true and yet the guys that he interprets their dreams, he, he don't, they don't remember him and he's sitting in prison for two years. But we don't read that Joseph falls apart. We don't read that he stops trusting in God. He had to hold on in those dark days to the things that God had promised. Because we know the end of the story that God actually used all of that suffering to reunite him with his family, to deliver his family from a place where they were starving to a place of abundance, to deliver an entire nation of people. But how did he endure he had assurance of the things hoped for. What do we hope for? We hope, here's just a few things we are hoping for. We have hope for Christ's return. Titus 2, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus. Jesus is coming back. We have that hope. We know that he came. We know that he lived. We know that he died, went to the cross to pay for our sins, we know that he was taken up, and he said, he's coming back. He's coming back. He says he's coming back soon. So we have that to hope for. We have hope for the resurrection. Because 1 Peter 1.3 says, in his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a hope that's active now, living but it's rooted in the fact we're going to be raised with him. We have hope for glorification in 1 John. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We shall be like him. There's a promise that we're going to be like him. Not these bodies that waste away, that that bleed when they're cut or that start to wear down as we get older or that experience pain and suffering and hurt. No, we have the hope that we are going to be like him. And we have the hope that we are going to reign with him. In 2 Timothy, it says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. In Revelation 22, 5, it says, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. These are the things that we have to look forward to, and we can be assured that they are going to happen because God's character is sure. He delivers every single time. Our faith isn't, isn't rooted in our own faith. 
Unfortunately, maybe some of you grew up in some certain Christian circles in which faith was emphasized. Faith was emphasized to a degree that if things went bad in your life, it was your fault because you didn't have enough faith. And so rather than faith being something that was a vehicle to hope and perseverance, it became an opportunity for you to get a beat down. It's not about the amount of faith that you have. Our faith is rooted in something else. It's rooted in someone. Our faith has an object that you cannot see. Faith is certainty about what you cannot see. It says here, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Like we were singing in, in the song, we, we're, we're praying and longing for the day when our faith shall be sight. When we see with these physical eyes that which, which we have faith for. But right now we don't see it. It wouldn't, it's not faith if, if we see it. But right now we don't see it. But yet that doesn't mean that we can't trust in it. It's not a haphazard experience because it's focused on something. It's focused on God and his promises. Focused on the fact that he is preparing a place for us. He's preparing a place for us. And it's by this faith that the people of old received their commendation. Verse 2, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. And then we're going to spend, we're going to spend the next four, five, six weeks unpacking that phrase by going through. Because even if you look at your Bibles, whether it's four, five, seven, eight, by faith, Abraham, by faith, this verse, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Abraham, again, by faith, Moses, by faith, Jacob. We're going to see example after example after example. Because oftentimes we don't just need a definition. We need to, what does this actually look like? But why are we studying about this? Because times are getting harder. Life is getting more difficult. I mean, life has always had trials and tribulations. If you, have, if you aren't experiencing trial right now, you know, I'm not trying to be discouraging, but just wait a little bit and, and things are going to happen because this world is broken. Sin and sin entered the world, it corrupted everything. And you're going to experience suffering and pain and heartache. What's going to keep you through? What's going to take you on? What's going to help you to persevere? It is having assurance of the things that are hoped for, the conviction of the things not seen. Because faith is really, it's how we describe even how we exist. Look here at verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I'm going to read that again. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. 
so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This creation was made out of nothing, out of things that you can't see. Modern science, and I, and I don't actually like to use this, the phrase modern science, because I think science goes hand in hand with belief in God. It's not, it's not science and then believers in God. Science is just the discovery of things. You can discover things without God in view, or you can discover things with God in view. Both, both scientists, both the believing scientists and the unbelieving scientists, they're doing the same thing. They both don't know squat. They don't. I mean, they're really smart, know-nothing people. All of them, I mean, truly, like, they all had to learn. None of them at five years old could tell you the things. Why, did, why are they smart now after years and years of studying and learning? And why is it all the time when you engage with some of those people and you, 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 you can give them a question and they go, I don't know. Well, why don't you know? You're supposed to be smart. Well, why don't they know? Because they're working backwards. They're trying to figure it out. So we, as believers, we start with this foundation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. By the word of God. Not by God's efforts, not by, not, not by somebody's handiwork, but by God's word. Not because he picked up a hammer, not because he's just super strong. No, he speaks and stuff is created out of nothing. So when someone says, well, how in the world, you know, miracles can't happen. Well, I guess that makes sense if you start with, there is no God. Because if you start with, there is a God who speaks and creates things out of nothing, if he can create things out of nothing, why is it a big deal that he can just rearrange things? Seriously. He creates out of nothing. His words, he speaks and creates things out of nothing. And, and the beginning of all things can't be explained by looking at the world without God. There's, there's not enough evidence to try to. I, I certainly sat in many classes in college, anthropology classes, where they would try to tell me, oh, well, there is this record. We can totally see that, the, that there is no God that exists because there's this fossil record. Well, the fossil record, they still haven't found all the gaps. We're still waiting on those. I can tell you, we're going to be waiting a long time to find the gaps between you know, everyone starting as one thing and, and growing into all these different things. I don't have time to go into that. I'd encourage you to explore uh, an organization called Answers in Genesis. They have tons of material that you can read to learn about creation, uh, to learn, uh, you know, a, a variety of things, great things that can help defend your faith. But they don't have the answer. 
And worse off, there's no purpose. There's no meaning to life. There's no standard by which to do anything. The reality is, is when you open up your Bible and you read this verse, and you start with what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, but what was made came from the Word of God. You get purpose because God created you in His image. Without being created in His image, you don't have purpose. But because you are created in His image, you have significance. And that answers so many questions for us about so many different things and contemporary issues. If you start with the fact that you are created in God's image, that you've been made out of nothing, that you have a God who's had more thoughts about you than your parents ever did or ever could, that gives us, that gives us hope that things could get better because we are believing in a God that creates out of nothing. If God's word created all things out of nothing, then we have solid ground for our hope. If God's word brought all things into existence, then it's enough for him to give me all that I need. If God, if I'm without peace, then surely peace will come because God's word promises it. God's word promises it in Philippians. If you don't have peace, we can pray and he brings peace. Don't be anxious about anything, about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God will come. That's the promise that's there. We need to have hope in the promise that it will deliver. And you might say, well, okay, but you still you still aren't giving me enough here. So I need something that I can see. Friends, I guarantee every time you hold on to the promises of God, he will deliver. Why do I hold on to the promises of God? Because every single time I've done it, he's delivered every single time. Every time I've been anxious and truly prayed with thanksgiving, I've, I've experienced the peace of God. Does that mean that all my situation and circumstance uh, was completely changed to be the, exactly the way that I wanted to? No, that's not the promise. The promise is not I'm the center of the universe and everything must go smoothly as I intend. No, the promise is I don't have to be anxious because he's got it taken care of. The promise is he's going to provide for me in my needs. The promise is that you have a hope, even though things look bleak now, you have a hope that you're going to be with him when everything is going to be different. So the word of God is what we ground our faith in. If you feel defeated and lost, you can have victory because God's word promises it. So by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let's just jump, jump down to verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible 
to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, right away, I read, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. And the first thing that I go to is, my faith is weak. So God must not be pleased with me. Maybe I should just go sit in the corner. Maybe I felt that this morning. I was like, I, I just don't feel like I have this faith. I went over to Mark. I said, Mark, would you, would you pray for me? Like, I, I just, I just want to go home right now. The Mark kind friend that he is goes, you can't. You have a job to do. But we read that and we think, ah, oh, God's not pleased with me. Now, our faith pleases God, yes, but think about it this way. You have a child. So if you're in a family, is at the table, he's prepared a table, the family comes and sits at the table, the father loves the children, every child that's at the table. He cares for them, he loves them. There's nothing they can do to make themselves not his children. He's going to continue to make the table for them because he, he bears the responsibility for them. And our Heavenly Father bears the greater responsibility for you because he not only, you know, for us in this world, God provides the children for us, but God's the one who actually made the children. God only made you. He made you to be his children. He redeemed you. If you trusted in the Lord Jesus, you're part of his family. That can't be undone. The Bible says, who can snatch you out of the Father's hand? Nothing. Nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. You're in the family. You're in. So what, what does this mean that he's pleased with us? Well, when that child is trusting in her father, when that child is believing the things that her father says and acting on those things. Well, the father is pleased. It brings him additional joy. But if she's in a place where she's struggling, it doesn't go to the flip side of like, well, I'm just disappointed in you. No, that. That's not the point that this is here. This, the point that this is here is to call us to focus our attention on the one who spoke this world into existence. That's the reason this is here. It's not here for us. The, the enemy wants to use it for us to, to shrink back. The enemy wants to, to use it for us to, to do what, verse 38 and 39, the opposite of that. Remember, it says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The enemy wants you to go back there and go, God has no pleasure in you. No, but the writer of Hebrews is here to flip that around because he knows the enemy is lying. That's what he does. He's an angel of light. He lies. He portrays himself to be something that looks right, and he's lying. 
No, the writer says, no, faith focuses on something you can't see, but something that is absolutely certain beyond the shadow of a doubt. And so you can believe in him, and as you believe in him, you will please him. And as you believe in him, and you will draw near to him. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. So drawing near to God just simply starts with believing that he exists. Because if you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. It's not like some religious shaman who's on a far-off mountain someplace far away where you've got to go and try to find him. No, our God came near. Our God came near. He came and lived a perfect life. His name is Jesus. And he came near so that he could, could experience and understand the creation. He could experience what you experience, the creation that he made, the creation that we know from earlier in the book of Hebrews that is upheld by the word of his power. He didn't just like set it in motion and just kind of roll it and it's just kind of rolling down the hill out of control. No, it's actually rolling uphill. It sure, sure feels like it keeps going because his word sustains it. And yet he came in the midst of that world and he gave his life. Jesus gave his life for yours. And all you have to do to have assurance is believe in his name. To trust in Jesus that he went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and you have instant, immediate relationship with God that is un broken because of the blood of Jesus. The gospel will transform you. If you've never trusted in Christ, I'd encourage you to speak with me before you leave here today. You can have assurance. You can have assurance of the things hoped for and conviction of the things not seen. You don't have to earn a place at God's table. Jesus earned that place at his table. So faith is how we receive salvation. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God through faith, just by taking that step. You don't have animosity with God. You have peace with God. And faith sustains us in the midst of overwhelming trouble. Paul I've been reading in Acts lately. Paul had lots of trouble. He faced the trial before Caesar. Even he talks to Timothy about that experience in 2 Timothy 4. He says, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. I mean, all of his friends left him. He says, but the Lord stood by me. And strengthen me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Everyone had left Paul. 
How did he endure? Because he, he saw that the Lord stood by him. He didn't have to see the Lord physically, but he saw that the Lord stood by him. The Lord gave him every word that he needed to say when he stood before his accusers. He saw the fruit of the proclamation of the gospel in the lives of others. He saw the power of God moving. Faith sustains us in the midst of overwhelming trouble. At the beginning of his long imprisonment for preaching the gospel, John Bunyan begged that if he might be more useful to God at liberty, meaning being free, the Lord would allow him to go free, but that if he would be more useful in prison, then God's will be done. Clearly, God thought him more useful in prison because by faith, that is where Bunyan wrote the Pilgrim's Progress, which has so blessed the church for hundreds of years. Only through faith do the people of God ever find strength and courage to stand up against the world and the trials of this life. Friends, let us hope in what he has promised. Let us hope in what he has promised. Because as we hope in what he has promised, that's how we receive our commendation. For by it, in verse 22, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. And we're going to spend time looking at the people of old. Week after week, as we continue to study Hebrews chapter 11 in the beginning of verse 12, we are going to see how, how by their faith they receive their commendation from the Lord. And it's interesting what Richard Phillips said. He said this, what the world admires is power, wealth, worldly glory, fame. What we are to note in each and every case is that the one thing that brought people God's commendation was their faith not their gifts, not their attainments, not their beauty, not their strength or popularity. These are the things that bring people commendation from the world. So even as you're seated here this morning, maybe as you were Singing this morning, you were aware of all of failures in your life. Every time you've come up short. Maybe you're aware of something that you're struggling with right now. Maybe there's something that, oh, I was so close and I missed it. Maybe there's a barrage of discouragement that comes your way. The benchmark is not everything this world is trying to get you to hold on to. The benchmark isn't your income or preserving your income. The benchmark isn't your job or preserving your job. Now, how are the saints commended? By simply believing God to be who he says he is. Simply trusting him to do what he says that he will do. 
You don't need anybody else. You can be completely alone. Everyone could leave you. Everyone could leave you. The thing that you think you're supposed to be building for the Lord to do for his glory, that could all be gone. If you simply trust in who God is and what he's done for you through Jesus Christ, you have relationship with him. May we pray as the disciples prayed in Luke 15, Lord, increase our faith. We're going to close as we began because we're going to really unpack this verse over the next chapter or so. As the writer of Hebrews really unpacks what faith looks like. And my prayer is that you would live by faith and not shrink back. Because it says in verse 39 of chapter 10, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let's pray. Father, who can understand this without your acting on us. We, we can't, Lord. We, we are in need of you. Lord, I pray right now for, for us as a church, as we are experiencing various afflictions and trials, or we might even be facing blessing in this time that's going to distract us from who you are. And I ask God that you would remind us of who you are, that you'd remind us of what you've promised, that you'd remind us that you spoke this world into existence out of nothing. And you're the one that we can come to because of what Jesus has done. Lord, it's not a chasm that we have to cross. Jesus crossed that chasm. And I pray God that we would simply humbly believe in that which we might not be able to see with our eyes, but there will be a day when our faith will be sight. And until that day, I pray, Lord, that you'd settle our souls and that we would hold on to you. We'd hold on to the object of our faith. We'd hold on to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And that we wouldn't focus on our faith Lord, that we would focus on you and trust that our faith will come, will come along as we focus on you. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.